This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. The COVID pandemic has placed a bright spotlight on the teaching profession. Are teachers quitting their jobs rather than risking their lives? Can they provide effective instruction online? Is the learning gap across the social divide growing wider every day? These questions raise even larger issues. What's the quality of our teaching force? Is it getting better? or not? How well prepared are young people when they enter the teaching profession? Are our best teachers being rewarded? These are some of the issues that I'd like to discuss with you all today on the Education Exchange. Kate Walsh, president of the National Center on Teacher Quality, has joined me, and there is nobody in the country who brings a more critical and thoughtful eye to the question of teacher quality. Thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. It's my pleasure, Paul. Well, Kate, why are so many schools remaining closed this fall? Are teachers afraid to return to their classrooms or what's going on? Well, I mean, the first and obvious answer is that it, in many places it's not safe for schools to be open again. The second answer is that in some places it is relatively safe for kids. It's certainly the best thing for kids to be in school right now, but they, it's adults that have to take care of them. And you cannot afford to put the lives of teachers at risk, um, even if it is the best thing for kids. But, um, you know, it, 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 there, I feel, I, I don't think there's ever been a harder time in the history of public schools to run a public school system. So I have great sympathy for, for what they're going through and trying to do the right thing for the right. And you know, they've got a lot of pressure um, from both parents and teachers unions about what they should do. And I think when you get a lot of pressure, you, you often will say, well, let's, the easiest thing to do is just not to open. Well, how about teaching online? Is this an effective substitute? How much is being lost in the learning by children? By well, there's a lot of people making estimates about their learning loss. Um, nobody, nobody knows yet. And, and what, what, what concerns me more is that we may not ever know because um, a lot of people are threatening not you know not not testing next spring so we're not going to know what we lost if if nobody tests um and so that's a that's an issue of real concern is to lose that data about the impact on of covid but of course we know covid has had a disastrous impact on kids who most need the stability and the opportunity that school creates i mean you don't have to be a measurement expert to understand that, that, that the kids who need to be in school the most are the ones who are going to be the most hurt. So unless we can open fairly soon, there's going to be a generation of students that are going to be missing something and especially the disadvantaged ones. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, maybe I don't want to use the word generation there. I would make push back a little bit on that. I mean, it, right now we've lost um, three months, four months of school. Um, 
you know, if if we can open within by Christmas, I think we'll say that we've lost six months of school, right? Um, and but you can make up learning. I worry more about actually. I, I worry more about um, the uh, the emotional and physical safety of kids um, in this time than I worry about whether or not. Um, their reading progressed. Um, and I also, I also look for uh, some bright spots here. I think parents, um, I think parents have a new appreciation for what education needs to accomplish each day. God knows they're tearing their hair out trying to figure out how to work and, and teach their kids. But I, I I'm also hoping that um that many kids and unfortunately it won't be the kids who are the poorest um but many kids um their parents will probably provide a more enriching curriculum than they were getting in schools which i mean i i'm probably the biggest critic around for how boring and how um how we've gutted elementary school of anything interesting to say or do or teach. So I'm hoping that that parents maybe appreciate that problem more and that kids will say, I, I, I liked it when I was getting a history lesson at home rather than what we were doing at school and that some of that spills over into advocacy for for enriching uh, what's happening in our elementary schools, which is which is deplorable in my view. So why do you say it's deplorable? Like, oh, I mean, the, COVID, I, I don't know, you know, if eight year olds could, could rebel, they would. I mean, I don't, um, they just, it's not in their nature to lead a mutiny. But, uh, you know, if you look at what schools are teaching, and how little content, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a disciple of Edie Hirsch. So you, you have to forgive me. But, um, you know, the reading material is not rich. We barely teach any science. We barely teach any history or geography. Well, no, we teach almost no history or geography. Kids might get some state history in fourth grade or something, but there's, and, and their teachers don't learn it themselves. So it's not like they're missing anything, but, um, um, you know, so. It, 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 the elementary school day should be a, a, a concern to all of us. Um, and we see it in very, you know, hard, hard measures, such as we know that a third of kids can't read, um, who should be able to read. And we know that ma our math performance is um, in the basement compared to countries of less wealth than our own. So, you know, those statistics are sort of what resonate but we don't talk about the fact that um, that what's going on in school day in, in most American schools, and I'm including very wealthy school districts as well, because they're just as guilty of gutting the elementary school day of curriculum of content as anyone, maybe more well, so. Well, what's the reason for this? Is it the philosophy of education that's guiding the people who uh, are, responsible for deciding what it is that kids should be taught or is it the quality of the teachers in the classroom they just can't teach what what they need to be able what to. they know what they don't know i mean we we study um what 
you know, that's part of the reason I'll, I'll, I don't mean to shortcut my answer here to make it sound like I think it's all teachers fault. It, this isn't teachers fault as much as we look at um, what teacher prep programs require by way of content of their elementary teachers and um, there's no there's no effort to align the content that they'll need in order to provide a content rich curriculum. Um, there's very little effort to do that. They they do take you know they might have a history elective, but they're allowed to take courses that have no bearing on what they'll teach as elementary school and the, you know sort of loosely history oriented you know uh, and so they come out of their programs well a lot of them don't come out of their programs we have if you look at licensing tests less than half pass their licensing tests in the first attempt and this is sort of basic knowledge of history science math and english language arts so it's the highest failure rate on any licensing test that we can find out there other than perhaps the CPA exam, which is notoriously um, problematic to pass in the time period they give you to pass it. So um, you compare like there's a 46% first time pass rate on licensing tests by American teachers on, on a license uh, on the content knowledge compared to nursing, which is 85%. If the teachers aren't being taught what it is they're supposed to be teaching, what's happening in the schools of education and the teacher preparation programs? They, they take 30 courses. What are they studying? Well, the ed schools are not the where they would get this. This is the fundamental problem. It, it, it's when you're going to get general education coursework, you get you take it outside the school of education it's not the school of education's job to teach these content courses um most most of the content is taken before they even start in their professional studies it's a failure of our university system and the school of ed for not seeming to have the authority to say if you're intending to become a teacher these are the courses you need to take to get into our school of education you you know i, I I'll say th th this is the difference. They'll say, here, you can take a, a history course and, and we tell a 19 year old, why don't you pick between this course on this sexual revolution in the 1960s uh, versus this other course on the American Revolution? Well, you can imagine what 19 year olds are going to pick, right? And there's nobody saying to them on the part of the university or the teacher prep program that says, if you're going to be a teacher, you need to take the one in the American Revolution because that's what you're going to have to teach. And so yeah. there are very high rates of failure. Well, how about other countries? What do they do? Is this is this a worldwide phenomenon or are we unusual in this regard? I, I think there is something about in our system of education in our country and i've never been able to understand it completely but um there is a disdain in america for um well it's an anti-intellectual culture to say the least um and so um a lot of 
folks who go through schools of education and go on to become principals or teachers or teacher educators or superintendents, they are part of a culture that is actually disdainful um, of knowledge and treats it as something like trivial pursuit. You know, they'll talk about, well, that's just trivial pursuit. You just want kids to learn dates and, you know, it, it, it isn't, uh, it's pervasive. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've spoken to an audience of educators where they say, well, we don't care if our teachers, um, you know, can pass a test of their content knowledge. What we care is if they um, can identify with our kids and if they love our kids. Um, it, it's almost antithetical to what the purpose of education is, right? Um, we just want our kids to feel loved and supported and, 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 you know, I don't know about you, but my best teachers were teachers who challenged my mind. They weren't teachers who were nice to me. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not saying I didn't, I loved having a mean teacher, but the teachers I were, was inspired by were tough on me. Well, I'm thinking about my own mother who was a teacher uh, before she got married, because when she got married, you you had to resign as a teacher, although right. she came back and taught later on uh, as a substitute teacher and and did a little bit more than that on occasion. But but when she began, she uh, all she did was go to normal school for one year. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they taught her at normal school. And then she went out and practice taught for a year. She taught in a I think she just went out and taught in a little red schoolhouse for a year. Now she did have a high school education, which in those days, actually they did teach you a lot of substantive material that, oh, yeah. that they don't do in high school anymore. So she didn't, she wasn't totally lacking in, you know, she was strongest in, in English and literature and her history wasn't as good as it should be and her science was terrible. But I'm sort of thinking of her as the typical teacher of the 1920s. I mean, that was when she began teaching. So in a sense, isn't this just rooted in the tradition of preparing teachers historically in this country? It sort of grew up. Oh, yeah, this is not a new problem. Um, I do think that um, the school day, it, you know, I think that the absence of history and much science, there's more science than there's history being taught, um, is, an, is a relatively, uh, it, it's gotten worse. Um, you know, we, there, there, there are these two to three hour language blocks um, every day um, in a lot of schools. And um, you, that, that those language blocks would be ideal times to teach science and history because what people, what teachers don't appreciate, what educators don't appreciate, and certainly our schools of education don't appreciate is the reason that our reading scores for kids are so low. It's not just that we're not teaching them how to decode. It's not just because of the uh, reading wars with, the, with you know, phonics versus whole language. It's that kids are not being uh, immersed in any kind of subject matter. And the way you um, increase vocabulary and reading comprehension is to learn a lot about a lot of stuff. 
um, is to spend time talking, uh, learning about chemistry and biology and, um, you know, plant life and, and, and history, ancient Egypt and ancient Rome, which are fascinating for kids. If you, um, you know, it, it, all those things are great, but as soon as you bring them up, people will say, well, they'll, you know, our kids can identify with that, with those cultures or, and that's that's just to me is um is the hubris of thinking that kids can't identify with someone other than who looks just like them um it is it, it is our shared humanity which um i think is the most important message kids need to receive that there are other people who struggled before they may have struggled that there are so, there are so many rich and wonderful stories that inspire, motivate, and elevate kids. That um, you know, I think it's a shame that that, that that there's such pressure on schools to not to to, to abandon um, imparting those those wonderful lessons to kids. Well, now there. Uh, how about high school? You're talking about elementary school. Mm. But in my view, the, it's the high school where kids are not being taught what's needed, that this is the, the biggest problem in our educational system is that uh, kids may have a, some skills by the time they get to eighth grade, but they don't seem to learn much beyond that, at least on the tests that we use to find out. Uh, you don't see much improvement on the part of older students uh, and just my own observations, I, high schools uh, have, have become shopping malls where you can take whatever you want, including a course on the sexual revolution, uh, rather than, uh, you know, uh, on serious content. And, and the teachers don't have the background to teach in the high school. So um, everything you said about the elementary school, I feel it's even more true at the high school level. Uh, yeah. I think we are going to have to agree to disagree because I, I think that um, when we look at certainly what the qualifications of high school teachers tends to be much more traditionally strong than uh, the qualifications of elementary teacher in terms of subject matter knowledge that at least they have to take a major in their uh, in, in their subject. So we know they've gotten more dedicated content than they've gotten at the elementary years. But um, I would also argue that um, the reason uh, that high schools don't impart um, the knowledge, the basic knowledge that kids should leave high school knowing and that's well established. There's no argument that, that we're graduating kids who are ignorant of a lot of essential knowledge in my view but i think other people may not say it essential see it as essential but i i think it is bad for our democracy and i think we're reaping the consequences um in this political period right now from people not being adequately educated but um I, you know i just think that all that is established in the elementary grades and when you're a high school teacher and you're inheriting kids a third of whom can't read at all or can barely read 
and um, many of them haven't been ever asked to read a book and don't know how to read a book and they're not going to and you can't require them to read a book because then they just you know it, it, I, I do think that they're inheriting such um, wild distribution in ability which is you know it, it's very hard to do so I, I, I think it's more of a I think the really the high school problem is created by what we don't do in elementary grades so um what's your recommendation to the teacher preparation program how this is a, a huge hill to climb uh and i'm sure you're you're realistic about how how far up the hill you can get but mm -hmm. uh what steps would you take well yeah it's interesting when we um when nctq first started you know, we've been rating um, schools of education, um, 1,200 of them, which is almost all of them, um, since 2013. And when we first started doing this work, we did uh, ratings for elementary programs and then secondary programs. And uh, we had, um, I can't remember, I think we had 19 standards the first time we came out. So we were covering everything they should do well, almost everything they should do, you know, important things like could they interpret data and did they, um, you know, would they know how to teach, um, um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on all the different things we did, but, um, and over the years we realized that we drowned everybody with data and that took the eye off the ball of what was most important. So we're actually not going to be rating secondary programs um, after this next release. And we are going to be focusing laser-like on the reading and math preparation of elementary teachers. Um, we think if we can, if we can, and we, we have evidence, we've seen some, some positive response by programs to to their ratings and, and they starting to teach more reading um, instruction than they had. Uh, less so in math, we're not seeing as much movement there, but, but we think if we can get um, elementary teachers to have a strong foundation in reading, and by reading I include that content knowledge, so you can't teach reading without knowing some content knowledge. Um, if we can get those things done, we think that, that, that we'll call it a huge win. Um, and not that those are the only things teachers need to be able to do, but um, is what matters the most. So I'm going to ask you a question that's very contemporary right now, and that is, what's your recommendation for how to teach slavery in elementary school? So here's a content issue out there. It's, uh, it's truly a part of the American historical experience is also the experience in many other countries. Uh, it's very difficult for a child to wrap their head around the fact that some people had other people as their slave. How would you, but probably it would be terribly intriguing to young children to actually learn about this and to explore this. It could be one of those things that you're talking about, or take, take 
children as adults and realize they've got a lot of potential there. So how would you teach that? Well, I've thought about this a lot and I don't know if I have the best answer, but I have, you know, a point of view. And, and I think, you know, I, I was a big fan of the 1619 series the New York Times did. Um, I thought it was extremely compelling. I know there's some people who have uh, raised some maybe legitimate, I don't know, um, questions about some of its conclusions. But I think that the stories that were told in that were um, changed how I thought, and I'm sure they would be in inspiring, motivating, um, I don't know what the right word is for any kid to understand the legacy of slavery um, in the United States. And um, so one, I think it, it absolutely needs to be talked about um, if we're ever going to move past um, the racial um, strife in this country. We're, we need to all be better educated about our deplorable founding. But um, there, there I go using the word deplorable again. I guess I'm overusing it. But um, um, the the only thing I would say that I think is perhaps um, a bit uh, fresh or different is that I go back to my original point about um, stories. And I don't think um, uh, American Black children are taught that they aren't the first they are not they are not the first people to be enslaved and they won't be the last and, and that um we the romans were famous for slave enslaving people i mean and and very cruelly so um there have been slaves since um the beginning of of history and um i think that helps um, by broadening the by broadening the experience of what it means to be enslaved, I think again um, reminds children that we are part of a shared humanity, even in its worst moments. And um, and I, you know, I'm a white woman. I I and so, but I think to me. Uh, that there's something healing in in understanding that that it isn't um, that this is something that was that is a common um, unfortunately very common um, institution in every in, in almost every society every culture and um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where to take that other than to say I, I, I think that that there is some risk in um, making kids feel like they were the only culture ever to experience this horror. I think there's something comforting in knowing that no, there there are many many people before you who who have experienced it. Well, that's an interesting response. I actually. Uh gave a very similar response to myself in a meeting just about two hours ago. Is that right? Yes, I somebody asked me that question and I said, well, you know, I would start with the history of slavery yeah. in the world. And uh, because it's almost universal, uh, 
it's very hard to find societies that didn't practice slavery. Um, but, um, but that doesn't mean, it, and then you can also teach the uh, steps that mankind and humankind, I should say, have taken over the uh, millennia to mitigate and change and transform this uh, historical legacy. I just sort of wonder, don't, you know, be, uh, we'll see if we get any reaction about this, but I think part of the problem is the why me question. Why, why, why us Africans? Why, you know, why, you know, was there something about our race as African people that, um, that, that, made slavery possible. And I think if kids were taught, it isn't a why me, it's, it's, it's the way human beings can act in their worst moments and their worst times. And I don't know, I, I would just think that that would be somewhat um, assuring to kids who, who start to doubt themselves. But of course, a teacher who's going to teach this has got to themselves know something about this. Yes, and that's not that's not happening right now. Uh, so it comes back to now. When you say we have to transform our teacher education programs, what what's the other point of view? What do people say out there? Mm. We have to have teachers need content knowledge, or they're not going to be able to teach it. What kind, when, you, when you go to a, a school of education and, and, and talk to the faculty, or, or, or what's the response? Uh, it's, it's, there's, uh, what is most upsetting about the response is that there's really, uh, you know, it, 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 it's just um, the need for teachers to know something is degraded. It's, it's, it's seen as a very low priority. It's not that they, when you say, well, are you, you know, you really not think that teachers need to know something about their subjects. Um, and they'll say, oh, you're, you're you know, but it, it's the lack of importance. It, 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 it's place in teacher education. It's not that people will sit, come out and say content knowledge is unimportant, but there's a very strongly held point of view right now that um, um, requiring teachers to know some content is, um, is uh, the way we measure it is, um, is racist. Um, that the, the tests that they have to take are biased and um, with very little evidence that that is the case. And there are a very popular point of view right now that says that the tests are not predictive of future teacher effectiveness. Um, so it's the first time in my career in education where we have to defend the idea that teachers should know something before they teach. Because there really is, and they say, well, it's not that they, it's, it, the problem is that it's the test. They want to shoot the messenger, um, but there is no other way of measuring whether someone knows something than to test them. 
that and and then and they speak in very loose terms like there should be some alternatives to tests and none of the alternatives really are measuring whether anybody knows anything um you know they'll say well they have a 3.0 well 3.0 and what we just still don't know if they can teach a kid anything about a fraction i mean so the tests are necessary they may not be perfect and i know they're not perfect but um this is the fundamental problem is that we are in a very anti-measurement phase uh, right now um and we also have a long tradition of of sort of downplaying the importance of teachers knowing their stuff okay so i'm going to ask you the toughest question of all in conclusion and that is can you say anything optimistic oh yeah because people say i'm always too yeah i i'm optimistic about the fallout from covid as horrible as it's been i think that um as i said before i i have i have real hope that it that with this level of disruption that some really stubborn dynamics change and one of them being you know parents have a better understanding of what schools were doing and what they should be doing and and play a more active role in that regard um you know and i am optimistic that teacher ed um with the appropriate amount of pressure from external forces such as ours um will will respond uh, we have evidence that they are responding so and they're you know we are seeing people we are seeing school districts begin to understand the importance of knowledge um they're adopting curriculum which are very knowledge centered so i think there's a lot of very very promising early signs that um we we can do better um that certainly doesn't mean we should let our foot off the gas here but um but i'm very encouraged by um some signs out there of, of of what might what might transpire well thank you kate i've been speaking with kate walsh president of the national council on teacher quality uh thank you kate for joining me on the education exchange it's been my pleasure thank you very much I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me for a new Education Exchange podcast released on the Education Next website every Monday at noon Eastern time.